Welcome back to One Day Closer with Mark and Dave. All right, so let's move on. You asked me last week, how would Jesus vote? And I said, we ought to take a second look at that. Because I wanted to make sure we weren't, you know, kind of flippant or kidding around, but that we were actually being taken serious. So I'd like to answer that question again, which is basically, I told you the better question would have been, how would Jesus, not who or where would he vote, but how would he vote? And I said, you know, from a biblical perspective, Jesus was, is, and will always vote pro-life. That's a period, hard stop, end of sentence. Not even going to talk about it anymore. He was also pro-nuclear family. So if you're scratching your head going, well, I don't know if it's pro-life, pro-choice, pro-whatever. Uh, if, if you know, if, if you're a Bible believer, a Jesus believer, if you're a Christian of any kind, of any sect, and you believe in the value of life, then pretty much the debate's over in your head, mm-hmm. right? Just right. pull the lever for pro-life. And don't worry about the details, right? right? Jesus being pro-nuclear family, he was more concerned, as I mentioned earlier, about character attributes mm-hmm. than he was about, you know, English math, arithmetic, and uh, sex ed. You're right. Right. He right. was all about, you know, honesty, fairness, love, compassion, integrity, treat people all these different ways. Respecting um, your parents. Respecting your honor, parents. Honoring them. It was packed full of lessons of how to be a good neighbor. Obviously, Jesus was against violence, you know, and hypocrisy. You read the book of Proverbs. Right. You want to understand what it's going to look like if you're a liar? <laughs> If you're a hypocrite, if you have deceitful corruption in your head, if that's your if that's your makeup, it's a bad place where you're going. It's quite clear. I mean, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. There's one chapter for every day of the month. Read right? one a day. One, one chapter a day. That's what I do. And, you know, whether it's about between wickedness and righteousness or... Or prosperity, or whatever. Or foolishness. It is. There's it, a lot of that it, in there. There's a lot of good wisdom in Proverbs. So, yeah. and it works like this. If you haven't opened it up, it says, a "Good is this kind of person, and bad is this kind of." Per-. I mean, you do not have to have a degree to understand what it's saying, but you do have to read it to understand how to vote, because you'll quickly see. Hey, wait a minute! My candidate is a liar. <laughs> my candidate uh, is a hypocrite I actually see it now right. or he believes a certain way or she believes a certain way she wouldn't answer those silly questions about what she wants to do on everything else but when it comes to school uh, the district 6 right, right. You know, that gal said as far as parents having rights in the education no I'm against that oh really? Uh, then I'm against you Right. whatever your name is not voting for you forgot your name already we don't. We never mentioned it for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why she won't give a response. We won't give her a name. So measure your candidate based off of biblical metrics. It's kind of where we were trying to get to on that whole front. You know, if you ever want to know how Jesus really felt about us common folk, well, you do can, you think he would vote at all? I mean, would well, how, how does you, Jesus vote? I think he voted every day by his word. By his actions. Uh, by his actions and his deeds. And you know what? We can do the exact same thing. Every day, we can vote if we want to shop at this store because they, they're they woke or not. Mm-hmm. Or they support stupid stuff. So I, I'll, I'll go buy my groceries somewhere else. Or I'll buy my flat screen television for uh, you know the holidays somewhere else. 
Uh, so we get to vote every day, not just once. Right. Every day we get to decide where am I going to spend my money, who am I going to spend it with, who am I going to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you going to buy your food? Where am I going to do it? Where yeah. am I going to do my business? So, yeah, I think we can vote every day just like uh, Jesus did. We also can vote with our feet, our actions, our money, and our deeds all day long. And that he would care enough to vote certain ways according to biblical principles about life, about uh, parenting, about parents' rights, about all kinds of rights. And we all know the difference between good and evil, and he would be voting for good. Now, during the break, uh, Dave and I were talking about things, and he, he mentioned an elephant in the room and what that elephant might be. And it kind of relates around a story in Acts, a gal named Lydia. Tell us about that. Well, that's that's pretty much it. She was the first, uh, first uh, convert. Her name was Lydia. She invited uh, Paul and Silas over to her house. But that's not the focus of this story. There was also, so they were moving around. Paul and Silas and the crowd was moving around from town to town. And uh, hey, there's a song. From town to town. Don't go to the song. Go okay, to the story. Don't forget the song. Um, there was a <laughs> <laughs> there was a slave girl, just a common gal. So don't get all hooked up on you know the racist thing. But she was just a commander, and she followed them around for three days. I'm just going to kind of give you the highlights of this story. But it's Acts 16, 14 through 40. She followed them around for three days. These men preach God is the Most High God. Repent and find salvation. And you know if somebody did that followed you around and yelling that and screaming that to everybody for three days you'd probably want to you'd probably want her to be quiet but paul finally discerns after three days i think i would have figured it out earlier but anyway after three days he he discerns or simply just gets tired of listening to her and he rebukes the demon that was in the in the woman and he simply calls her out for you know calls it out and the girl's masters right because she sold um, she was purple. working for somebody. Yeah, she she sold purple fabrics and other stuff, right? So she was like the barker, right, for the for the monkey patrol. And so the girl's master saw that their salesperson just kind of got shut up and uh, was fully exposed. And so their business was going to crumble and their profits were going to crumble because she wouldn't be able to sell any stuff. And so they, they ratted Paul and Silas out to the chief magistrates, which was, in today's vernacular, that'd be like, canceling somebody right they just ratted them out and they were canceled in the square which is you know our cultural wars of today twitter canceling our voice of reason and they stirred up the mob so the bosses stirred up the mob and the mob then agreed and said hey let's get him let's get him in trouble and so paul was canceled he and silas were beaten publicly humiliated arrested and put in prison so they were in prison pretty much it's a parallel to january 6th Well, that's going to get all kinds of hits uh, if anybody (laughs) listens to this program. But they became the first January Sixers. (laughs) Interesting. Um, Because they were exposing the lies and mandates, the seeding of confusion, misinformation. Well, anyway, the next day, the chief magistrate orders their release because they heard that these guys didn't escape. So there was an earthquake and Paul and Silas didn't run. Right, And so one of the guards was about ready to kill himself because he said, I'm going to get in trouble if all, everybody got away, even in the middle of an earthquake. That's he the way it was, was back then. That's the way it was back then. And Paul said, no, 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 don't kill yourself. It's all good. We are here. Uh, we're still here. As a matter of fact, we're still here singing praises and all this other stuff. Right? And so the word gets up to the magistrate. 
And they said, well, they didn't escape. Prison doors was open. Oh, and by the way, doggone it. We didn't realize you fellows were Romans. <laughs> Which is the same as, we didn't realize you guys were U.S. citizens. <laughs> right. Probably shouldn't have locked you up. Yeah. On the 6th, right? Uh, so Paul and Silas, so anyway, they came down. They said, you, you're free to go. Paul and Silas could have left uh, town. They could have turned the other cheek. A lot of Christians believe, oh, that's the right thing to do. And they could have just forgiven him and left. But what would have happened? Here's a question. What would have happened if they had simply ignored uh, the taunting of the girl? They just let her keep yakking her jaw. For one, we wouldn't have the story that survived, nor would we have the lessons that we can glean from the story. So here they are. Here they are. Lessons learned. Paul was faithful to his calling. Right? Yeah, yep. he, he, uh, he had discernment. He had to wrestle with that. That's why it took him three days. Do I call out the demon? Do I call out the girl? Are people going to get mad because I called out the girl? Is she really a demon? Is she really on our team? I don't know. But he finally discerned and made a decision. He also knew his rights as a Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. And so when that opportunity came out that he could pull out that banner, and, right? Yep. He, he did that. He knew the law. He knew the law. And Paul had to decide how best to react to uh, once they were asked to leave town. Okay, fellows, uh, we're sorry. You can leave now. He could have said, hey, thanks, God, for a lucky break. Hey, uh, Silas, let's get out of here as quick as we can before they change their mind. But instead, Paul said no, no. Uh, Paul opted to expose them. And he actually goes back and asks for a public acknowledgement of their poor treatment. Can you imagine going to, hmm, wow. you know, uh, I don't know, the Supreme Court, Nancy, anybody, yeah. and said, hey, no, 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 you're not getting off the hook that easy. I need you owe apology. me an apology. Right. And you need to do it publicly because uh, that was really poor treatment. Now, that's calling people out. That's kind of what we expect our teachers to do with our children so that they grow up with some character worthy of emulating, Right. Hey, you better not pull your sister's hair anymore. Now you go over and apologize. Don't take her candy anymore, right? That's a that's a normal thing. But you have, Paul to, does, you have to teach boldness. You have got to teach boldness and they're never going to learn it, right? So they were bold enough to expose uh, before uh, they went on to the next town. So why did Paul opt to call her out? Maybe it's because he knew he was a leader and the responsibility to do so was on him. You know, maybe that was to demonstrate to the rest of us that leadership requires courage, requires boldness. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just preaching. But here's the question. What's the elephant in the room in this story? Yeah. Right? Here's, here's the elephant in the room. The abuse that Christians tolerate today and endure today, like shame, ridicule, being canceled, name called, belittled, it's nothing New. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing new. This stuff's been going on for over 2,500 years. It was happening then. It's happening now. So if it's going to happen, what should we expect? Embrace it, baby. <laughs> there you go. I mean, know this, you got to know what's going to happen. Well, you have to... Yeah, yeah, you have to know what's going on. This story, uh, as do, I think, a lot of stories, Mark, in the Bible, give us a real-world current event parallel to today 
They do. Plus behavioral uh, insight and actions. That's a key word, actions, that we can take from the instructions and the stories left in the Bible. So what are we called to do? Well, we're called to simply love one another, right? You know, simply love one another. Of course, that's a no-brainer. The highest commandment. How about turn the other cheek? Are we supposed to do that? Sometimes. There you go. How about turn a blind eye? Mm, Maybe not so much, right? Maybe not so much. How about keeping your mouth shut? No, I don't think so. I think you should keep your mouth shut. Um, There's wisdom in, in maybe sometimes, but oftentimes, no. We need to be bold and uh, call things out. Yeah. You know what that whole salt parable uh, parable is all about? That we are the salt of the earth? Tell me. So, salt keeps food fresh. And preserved. And preserved. That's right? right. So we're the salt. It also says, you know, I prefer you to be hot or cold, but not lukewarm. Lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. So you either have to be hot on for God or cold. Cold means you do, you don't know anything and you haven't decided yet and you really haven't paid attention. So I'm gonna so Jesus is gonna cut you some slack. Yeah. Yep. There, I mean, think about there's that. Some I mean, grace there, but there's very few people in America who I think would be given that grace because it's all around us. Yeah, but the point I'm trying to get to here is you certainly don't want to be lukewarm. You don't. Yep. I'd rather be cold than lukewarm because lukewarm says, hey, you tried me on, you heard enough, you heard some, and you actually chose not to love me. You actually chose not to follow me. Wow. If you if your kids said that to you, hey, I'm glad you were my parent for a while. I've actually watched how you cut the grass and how you cook and how you <laughs> do things, and I saw how you treated you know mom and and you loved on her and you did all those wonderful things. But you know what? I just you know yeah no I'm out. Wow, that just break your heart, right? I would. Oh, I just it just kill you. So what do we need to do with all this information? Well, we need to take uh, we need to take. Uh, Inventory, know that the Bible is just jam-packed with stories and examples that we can learn from. They're not old stories. They may sound like old stories because there's donkeys involved and sheep involved, sandals and walking from town to town. Uh, There's another song I could, I'm not going to do it. Um, You know, there's a lot of knowledge there. And from that knowledge, we can start to, you know, the whole idea behind the Bible is you start to correctly interpret, what is this saying to me? Why do I care that the walls come crumbling down for Paul and Silas? What does that mean today? I don't want to read an old book. I want it to mean something today. You go in and start reading the Bible and asking those kind of questions, and I'm telling you, you will have epiphanies like what we're talking about right now. And so the more you read, the more you discern just like Paul did, I think that's crazy talk behind me, and I'm calling it out. And, and, you, and you might, you know, do a little suffering for it. There's going to be... Well, you could be wrong, too. Tribulations in this world, he says. Well, that's right. But he could have called her out and found out, oh, gee, she is a follower. But here's what we learned out of it. Faith first, courage second, and boldness third. Faith first to know what you're doing. Courage second. Boldness third. And we want to highlight an excellent story that uh, my co-host wrote back in 2015. It's it's just so good. He's just going to take off with it. 
and read it to you because it is very inspiring and we hope it's, it'll bless you. Uh, well, that was nice. I guess, <laughs> guess that's going to cost me 10 bucks or something. All right, whatever. <laughs> so this is an article I wrote for a blog post on my site called Lead with Courage. It was dated 10-16-2015. People have watched the movie Braveheart. So in the movie yes. Braveheart, there's Sir, Sir William Wallace. Sir William Wallace. And in the movie, uh, Sir William Wallace, uh, he was right. And he says, men don't follow titles, they follow courage. <laughs> I say that in English now. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like that? <laughs> men don't follow titles, they follow courage. There you go. Right? And he's, he's saying this. And as believers, the faithful messengers of hope, it's time to rise up and lead with courage. The battle-weary are counting on us. The lost are still waiting for us to cross their path. Christ himself has empowered us. He's called us, actually, to live a bold, confident, and overcoming life. We were not set apart to continually live under the thumb of fear-mongering or bullying. We were not called to live a daily life of anxiety, but of destiny. Because of Christ, fear, worry, and uncertainty should be beneath your feet. We need to learn how to rebuke the voices of darkness that come in the night to torment us. When storm clouds rise, we need to call up the promises of God and remind ourselves who we are in Christ, that we are indeed children of the Most High God, and that we are overcomers, destined to be different difference makers, that all the voices to the contrary are simply minions of the enemy whose destiny guarantees them an eternal swim pass, thank you, in the lake of fire. <laughs> Have a nice summer. <laughs> Listen, it's time for the body of Christ to cowboy up, pull up our big boy pants and our big girl pants, and declare that we are the righteousness of Christ, that we are more than conquerors. It's time to understand fully just who we are in Christ. It's time to summon up courage to believe, act, and live out what Jesus has been declaring about us since the beginning. It's time we resolve to make a stand, bold as a lion, as we like to say on this program, uh, bold as a lion, to encourage those around us who've actually, you know, lost their way and just don't have the, don't have the strength, don't have the vision, don't have the mojo. It's time to fight for this nation we call home and fight for the Christian values that she was founded on. Listen, this great nation of ours is under siege. We've talked about it. You've been listening to it. If you've been listening to talk radio, you know this. This great nation of ours is under siege. Regardless of party affiliation, we should be able to agree that America, this place you and I call home, is in a pickle. A pickle barrel. A pickle barrel. I mean, we ought to be able to agree on that. Forget red and blue jerseys or whatever. Just we're in a pickle. All right, the, the boat's sinking. Can you bail? If you don't agree with that, we're not talking to you. Can you stick your face in the hole of the boat? Okay, if you can't bail, can you be a patch? <laughs> can we just work together? Right? Those in charge can't seem to make any progress of note on anything that needs to be fixed. The shell game on the hill is so obvious to those that still are capable of discernment. And to be completely honest, it's no longer comical to even watch. Leaders from both parties espouse great rhetoric, yet collectively they don't produce squat. Actually, in the article I say they produce no fruit. 
How's that? Uh, in a blog post a few months back, and in the words of John F. Kennedy, I asked today's bureaucrats, so this is seven, eight years ago when I wrote this, ask not what your country can do for you, but what can you do for this country? See, I just did a little flip there. Put it back on them. Quit asking what we can do for you. School board, quit asking for money. Do something yeah. with the money you've already got, right? Uh, I think it's time we ask ourselves, what can I do to make a difference for the glory of God? At work, at home, at church, in my neighborhood, for the country. While God may be a bit disappointed with how we've let this country slip away from grace, we simply can't afford to become complacent or discouraged. Instead, we need to get angry and sin not. That's biblical, by the way. Now we, the defenders of the faith, the moral backbone, this is when the music should start to play, the moral backbone of the nation, need to become all trusting, all in and all over those that are acting counter to godly counsel. We need to find the courage to speak up and speak against the forces of darkness, expose the corruption. There's that expose again. I was barking about this seven, eight years ago. It's important. And, and call them to account. If there was ever a time for the body of Christ to rise up, speak courageously and boldly, it's now. Who doesn't recall David, the giant slammer, he, he, the giant slayer, famous line spoken with great authority in the valley of Elad. For who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Prior to this noble day, David was on a, uh, he was just a shepherd boy on an errand with a backpack full of cheese with instructions to go check on, check on your brothers and report back. That, that's what he was told to do by his dad. But on this particular day, everything that he had learned and experienced, everything that defined who he was and what he believed in was stirred into a holy boldness of courage without measure. That when he acted upon it, it produced giant slang results. We can do the same thing. We can do the same thing. Amen. You know, in First uh, Chronicles 12, 1 through 8, we learn about the men of valor, which came to support David in a place called Ziklag. So it goes like this. There came over to David in the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty men of valor, trained in war who could handle shield and spear, and whose faces were like the faces of lions, and they were as swift as gazelles on the mountains. First Chronicles 12, 8. Right? Hmm. So fast forward 2,500 years. Let's, let's take another spin at that same scripture, but use different language. Right? Okay. So we're going to use 21st century vernacular. Here we go. So those mighty men and women of prayer and valor gathered together. Mighty warriors of faith who had trained their senses to know God's will, who have practiced and exercised their faith, who have hidden God's word in their hearts, who have sharpened their tongues to be effective teachers, whose faces are seasoned like wisdom. These are the warriors that are well able to discern God's voice, assess a need, and quickly respond to the call. Listen, let each let each of us walk away from this, hopefully encouraged, to practice harder, whack stronger, and maybe mature in Christ, for crying out loud. Well able 
to summon up the courage when we need to, to stand and make a difference when we're called upon. That was, what, 15? So that's 27. I'm good at math. That's 27. Or no, seven years. <laughs> seven years. Seven years. Yep. Seven years ago, I was just as upset about all this stuff as I am today. Or wow. just as passionate. I don't know. Listen, we hope that you love this program or that you're learning something. We don't want to just sit here and bark about current events all the time. That's why we're trying to come up with, what, solutions? And scriptures. And scriptures and some stories to kind of encourage you to, to not let the news of the day beat you down. Right? Yep. One day closer. Uh, one day closer to going home. One day closer to finding Jesus for those that you know haven't had a, that epiphany yet. Haven't hit bottom yet. Whatever. One day closer for our kids finding a better job, a good job. But listen, now that we've got your attention for one more minute. We're a brand um, new show. We are indeed a brand new show. And let me tell you what that means. So if you're interested in being a sponsor or an advertiser, let me point something out to you. Maybe you didn't want your product associated with some of the other doom and gloom and other stuff that's going on. So if you've got a product that you need to be sensitive to that, what we're more interested in is sponsors. We could use sponsors. So with that, let me tell you, we appreciated being with you. We'll see you next week. Take care. Places and these places are getting